Hello and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacy Fleece, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Samantha Tradilia. Samantha, how are you? Girl, it's so good to be back. We haven't been recording in a while because you've been internationally traveling. I've been, you know, doing whatever it is I do. And uh, here we are with a banner guest today. I, I know it's it's been a while and it is nice to get back in the flow. And, uh, you know, I uh, have always said that there are no coincidences in life and everything happens for a reason. And maybe that's an easy way to um, deal with bad things or negative things that happen. But I've, I've always kind of walked in my world just thinking, OK, that I, there's a reason for this. I don't know what it is. But there's a reason for this. But our our guest today, Joanne Green, I think epitomizes the everything happens for a reason moment. Um, uh, Joanne, first of all, thank you for being here. My uh, pleasure. Really, really excited to have you here. Um, Joanne has recent, well, recently released a book, recently written and released a book called By Accident, A Memoir of Letting Go. Um, and your your world kind of, uh, I have to believe, sort of lives in the pre-event, post-event time, for like two two different time buckets, um, which, I, you know, I think for a lot of us, we don't have that definitive moment. You had an absolute definitive moment that changed the course of your, of your orbit. So um, take us back a little bit. Let's talk about your life and what you were doing before, and then what happened, because it's a fascinating story. Absolutely. And thank you both so much for having me here. What fun. So I was uh, born in, and raised in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston, um, in a Jewish family, in a tiny Jewish community where everybody knew everyone. And I was the youngest of three, and I was an accident. So that's one of the meanings of by accident. My parents were in their 40s. My brother was 13. My sister was eight. Oops. And, and then Joanne. Well, and actually, the way my mother always described it was I had a son, I had a daughter, and then I had you. So <laughs> I was... You're um, bonus. I was a lot, let's just say, a lot to deal with. I didn't quite fit into my family in any way. My mother, my brother, and my sister, all Scorpios, all math people, all very linear. You're in or you're out. I was more like my dad, very all over the place, creative, um, other side of the brain. But my dad had a neurological dis disorder from the time I was five. So he was there, but not fully there. Okay, then I'm a child of the 60s and everything you can imagine that happened in the 60s you know, right outside of Boston. My high school years were, I, I went in the fall of 67 and graduated in 71. And, you know, the black armband and right, like. So all you fully the, embraced all the, the 60s. Oh, yeah. And as then you know. as if that wasn't enough, uh, went on to become um, a rock and roll disc jockey in San Francisco in the 70s, worked at KSAN. Um, ironically, the documentary is premiering tomorrow night at the Rafael. So, Ooh. but it's sold out. So I shouldn't even be saying this because it's sold out in about two minutes. Anyway, back to that. So yeah, did it all, um, gotten lots of trouble, but was always a really high achiever. Had to be, had to be at every party, but also had to 
you know, I went to Northwestern. I was on the Dean's list. I majored in first theater, then radio, TV, film, moved back to Boston, finished up, came out here by the, I was 21. I was already, you know, full-time on the radio in the Bay Area. I had a 25-year career. Women's talk shows in the 70s. This is when it was brand new to talk about rape crisis centers, shelters for battered women, the Equal Rights Amendment. I don't even know if you've heard of it. It was supposed to have happened. It never did. <laughs> All still, of that still is waiting on that one. <laughs> what actual, right? Yeah. How could you just, this is a little aside. I'm going to put this in parentheses. How is equal rights for women controversial? It's how a mystery. Is it still, how is it still that we're here and it's 2023? You know, underline question mark, exclamation point. Gals, I did my best. I, <sighs> I marched. I did it all. All right. So I'm going a million miles an hour, then had to be the best wife, then had to be the best mother, had to be the best daughter. Like literally running, 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 running every day, had a volunteer for everything with the schools, the PTA, the synagogue, all of it. And we're just, this is a really frank podcast, so I'm just oh. going to go for it, right? Yeah. So never drank, but at, at the end of the day, I would have my hit of weed. That would be my Lovely. permission. Yeah. That would, this, you know, that was my permission to just stop because I didn't know how to stop. My mom and my sister died within five months of each other. I was incredibly close to both of them in 2006, five months. So I was just felled by that grief brought to my knees and then went right back to my old ways, went right back to being that person. A couple of years later, my brother suddenly died, leaving me as the sole surviving member of my fa original family and pretty much the only person in my generation for all of my siblings, kids, and grandkids. That didn't do it. And then on October 3rd, 2012, I was leaving work. I had just had an incredible meeting with the then head of the Marin Interfaith Council. I was rushing home to see the debate between then candidate Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. And I was actually paying attention as crossing the street. I was not on my phone. It was broad daylight. I was in a crosswalk. I walked out. This is in North San Pedro Road. I walked out. A car stopped for me. So I started walking. And just as I got in front of her, I heard what sounded like an explosion. Because when you think of a car accident, you think of, yeah. right? You don't, it's not just the sound of the explosion. There's like a sound before that, but- the guy who hit the woman who stopped for me was driving a small truck, never looked, came at 50 miles an hour, plowed into her. She slammed into me. I was, because she was driving a sedan, thrown onto the hood of her car. She was catapulted 50 feet down the street. And I fell off onto the ground alive. Unbelievable. And... Why that became the seed for this book is because it took getting hit by a car as a pedestrian for me to stop. I couldn't do anything for anything. myself. Hospitalized for five days, came home, you know, like wheelchair, could eat, couldn't even use the walker initially, couldn't get myself to the bathroom, couldn't feed myself. 
And but you so, didn't know any other way of going, going, going. So like this was forced, like, no. This was a forced no for everything. The universe said, Joanne, it's time for a timeout. <laughs> we are going so, to, you know, it's like I got all these taps on the shoulder and I didn't pay attention. So this was like, okay, watch this. <laughs> like oh, literally. <laughs> so as it's happening and I'm like, you know, flying through the air, literally, I, I, I think, really? Now this, like after losing all my people, this and and a second later, something happened. And, and I'm guessing you're both really strong women and you'll get this. Something clicked in and this was in a nanosecond. And I went, OK, let's do this. And it was like, I just knew that whatever this was, either it was going to kill me or I was going to survive and thrive. It, there was no in between. There are no other options. You know, I don't think there are. And so I I basically, there were a number of things that I did over the year and a half that it took to get better from that. And then two years later, a cancer diagnosis. Spoiler alert, I'm fine, but there was that. And then there was a, there were a few other things. The book takes you through all these trauma after trauma. And I kept getting to practice the things that I learned. And I thought, you know what? I've got to share this. These are things that are applicable. This is the best. Everybody. Most people would be sidelined over in the corner. You know what? Here's all my cards. I've done my chips. Let's cash them in. But you're like, nope, we're going to get through it. We're going to we're going to go on to the next phase. And then something comes at you. And to be able to pen a book that's really helping navigate, you know, this journey and tell your story, I think is um, so remarkable because of I feel like you've lived like 10 lives. Like I know. And I'm a total dog a person. It's cats that have a lot of lives, right? I'm not a cat person. I'm a complete it's dog cats, person. It's cats and Joanne. Thank you. Um, but, you know, honestly, you are, the the strength that you have doesn't let you be victim. Like, you don't, you don't do victim. You don't, you don't do it well. You honestly would suck at it. So that's not even an option for you. Yeah, I do. I have to, I do have to ask. So I know there's other things and I don't want to get too deep into what's in the book because the book is a phenomenal read, but can we talk about the hurricane in Mexico just for a moment? When have you ever heard about a hurricane in Cabo? Now there's been another one since, but like they happen in the East coast, right? They don't uh, happen in Cabo. Yeah. So you know, we knew there was going to be a little rain. Okay. Like, I have an umbrella. It'll be fine. I'll read my book and eat a lot of chips and guacamole while I sip on a margarita. Thank you very much. Yeah. As we do in the rain. As one would. Yes. And then we had this great brunch reservation at a cool farm to table place. And we were leaving and we saw these big signs in the lobby and we went to ask about it and they went, oh, which building are you in? We said, you know, the one right by the ocean. And they went, oh, we're moving you. We're moving you and be back by this time because and have your place all packed up because um, it's now a hurricane and it, it's coming. Yeah. So it was quite an experience. Um, 
kind of crazy. Yeah, the thing about fun, hurricanes I mean, is it's that- kind of fun to check the box. I've been through a hurricane too. It's kind of, you know, it's uh, one that- They we go the- on and on and on. When you're waiting and then it's the after and the before. And it's like, I don't know if it's better to have an earthquake or like what type of natural disaster is a better one? Like Earthquake. You know, I-, I feel that it's just over with and you don't know it's coming. That's it. Um, yeah. Quick. I, I'm, I'm really into quick. Yeah. Yeah. Get you know, it. Same same with death. If someone's going to die, these long drawn out cancer deaths where you watch your person be ravaged and like begging to, to end it versus my brother who had a hemorrhagic stroke and that was it. Ooh. That was it. I think that's kind of the way you want to go. So I want to talk about your past life with being a DJ and being a DJ and what, what, uh, when was that? So part of the time I was a DJ, but much more of the time I did the news and I did talk shows. Okay. So this and is something that interests me very much. So in that time period, you know, 75 what, to 93, so full what time. Was, what and then, was it like being a woman in that era? Because it, there wasn't a lot of you. No, no. Very, very few. Very, very few. So, um, I mean, I'll start out in college when I was in a radio production class and I was the only woman and the teacher was really young and he said some like ridiculously sexist thing in the classroom. And after the class, I went up to him and I went, that's just not okay. <laughs> like you were clearly trying to get points with the guys. Yeah. Like a child, you're a child. And he was like, oh my God, you are so right. And so it, for <laughs> me, it was just a matter of, um, there were a number of times where I came up against like major sexism. Here's one. I was leaving, I don't, I think KFRC or K, I don't even remember at which point I was at KSAN for a long time and KFRC for a really long time. And there was a job opening for a morning anchor at K101. And I, I applied for the, there was also um, a job for a reporter. And so I went, and had a and had an interview and the guy who was doing the hiring said no the job for the reporter is for a woman and the job for the anchor is a man and i said why is that i'm a, i'm an anchor i'm not a reporter and he said well because of like the voice of authority oh and i said really who was the voice of authority in your home growing up and he said oh that would have been my mom and i went you know what that's true for everybody right like I, I, and then I did a really ballsy. Can I say ballsy? Oh, thing. you could say it all. Yeah. I said, you know what? His name was Rob. I said, you know what, Rob? I wouldn't want to work for someone who thinks like you think. So let's just shake hands and I'm going to leave now because I'm not interested in working for you. Good for you. And that was that. So, you know, yeah, it was, it, you know, I, 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 I leaned it basically. I, talked about women's issues. And I mean, when I first told my program director that I wanted to do a women's talk show, like he thought I was going to talk about cooking and and knitting and sewing. And I said, no, 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 no. Like there was this, we were in the East Bay and there was this thing called the Oakland Women's Health Collective, which was taking control of our bodies. And they had groups of women meeting and they would give out plastic speculums so women could like see what they looked like in there. And I'm like, <laughs> bring these women on my show. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, it probably just made, it's like those uncomfortable conversations that makes everyone but us gals uncomfortable, you know? And it's 
good, like kudos, even at, you know, back at a time when it wasn't necessarily PC to be talking about things like that. I mean, even now it's still, we, we, we've come a long way, but we're still not a hundred percent there. We have to own our conversations. We just have to own it. Listen, if there are things that make, that really captivate our interest, it's going to be a lot of other people out there who feel the same way. A hundred percent. And I think it's so funny when you like, I work out with a group of women and we're kind of, we're kind of raunchy and we talk about really just inappropriate things. And every time there's a new one that comes in, you know, there's a new gal, we're always kind of like looking around, like, is she going to be okay with, you know, these topics? Do they, do they have to sign a waiver? Like <laughs> an NDA of any kind? Like this is how it, this is how we roll. And, you know, if you can, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. But I think for the majority of us, and it could just be a West Coast, like, I know, I mean, we live in the Bay Area. So we kind of have, I think, have a different kind of mindset about what what is okay to talk about versus like when I'm on the East Coast and I spend some time in Florida. It's a different conversation a lot of times because those women aren't necessarily okay talking about the things that we're okay talking about here, which is insane. And even before this conversation, we were talking about our friends in Ohio today that, you know, made made some good decisions. Okay, for us, gal. Thank you. So, Thank you, so, ladies. Yeah. So hopefully we are, you know, permeating across the country, but I don't know. Sometimes you have to be in threat of losing something to realize how valuable it is. And um, I think that some of the legislation it, on that issue in particular, on, on um, the right to control our own bodies, some of the legislation that's going to be passed now is going to be stronger and um so I'm very hopeful that um, the tide is going to turn back now. And um, we always knew that Roe v. Wade was flimsy, but I, I mean. Yeah, it. but it's frustrating that all this work was done to get it passed in the first place. And then we think we're so much more advanced now. And then fast forward to today. No, we're not. Like we're right back where we started. It's, it's uh, like two it's, steps forward, one step back. But, you know, you. You asked me earlier if I would be comfortable talking about what's happening in Israel and Gaza. And I got to say, as a person who has always identified herself as being on the left and who marched for all these issues, human rights, these rights, LGBTQ rights, reproductive rights, all of it. Um, I got to say, I'm feeling a little betrayed by the left right now on this issue um, because what happened on October 7th, I mean, it, people are like glossing over it, like like Israelis should have expected that. Um, I am not a fan of the Netanyahu government. I think that what's happened in the West Bank is egregious. I think that these spreading of settlements is not the right approach. However, people don't know history if they are just calling this a decolonial, you know, th this whole narrative that's being promoted is really missing a lot of fact. And um, what do you feel like the left is missing on this? Where are they missing the mark on this? Well, I think that, first of all, one one big one is people are not acknowledging what has happened over the years that, in fact, in 1948, there, the proposal from the UN was for there to be two side-by-side -side states. And 
the Arab countries, not just the people who were living there, but Jordan, Egypt, they all rejected it. And they instead all together attacked and from the beginning have said there should be no Jewish state at all. There should be no Jewish people on this land. So how do you negotiate with people who only say that they want to kill you? I mean, that's I mean, that seems challenging. It's it's very challenging. And even now, I this morning, I'm I'm in a global women's writing group that has a couple of women in Israel on it. And we had a special meeting today just so they could vent and just so they could talk about what they're going through. And these are all people who have promoted two-stage solution, who have been involved in peace efforts, who have done relief efforts on behalf of Palestinians. So we're, I'm not talking about right-wing people here, but what's going on now, I mean, who's talking about the hostages? Nobody. No one's talking about it. And and it's it's like, I mean, you just, you like get gutted when you sit there and you're just watching this and you're just like, how is this happening? A, B, then you see it, you know, even here and other places in, in the world where they're, you know, Jewish people can't come in here and, you know, you see these and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what time period is this? I actually saw something and I, I stopped and I had to reread it and I go, is this a joke? Like, yeah, no, it's not a joke at all. And and here's the thing. Anti-Semitism is very, very real. It's pervasive. But I've been lucky enough to live in this moment, this little bubble moment where I really didn't have to face it. It's been an incredible land of opportunity here. But, you know, my grandparents escaped pogroms, literally where Russian soldiers on horseback, seething with hatred of Jews, came into their villages raped women, looted, burned down their homes. I have I have audio of my husband's grandmother crying, describing the day that the pogrom came to her village and how that was it. She escaped and she, her grandparents who were raising her, she never knew what happened to them, but they were killed. That's it. I have relatives that perished in the Holocaust that I never knew about because my parents were trying to protect us. Um, this is as old as the hills. And and it's it's just resurfacing now. And why? Because also, let me just add one more thing, because now that I'm on a rant here. Yeah, no, let's talk about this perception that Israelis are all white. Not true. A large percentage, perhaps up to half of Jewish Israelis are refugees from Arab countries who in 1948 were kicked out. Of, of Libya, of uh, Morocco, of Iraq. There were huge Jewish populations who, once Israel was established, Jews were expelled. And the only place they could go is Israel. So these are people of color in many cases, not to mention Ethiopian Jews who have resettled there, who are African. I mean, it's- It's, the, it's the, insane. And I think too, and being someone that's been in broadcasting and news and, and media, you know, that's the other thing is the information that we're getting and how we're getting information and how I can change one channel of news. And it's a totally different like, you know, whoa, where where is the the right here and where is the proper information that, you know, we were getting? And is that it's like I feel like there's just so much coming at us and it's not always right. And it's, you know, everyone's got their freaking opinions. But at the end of the day, there's still a whole bunch of people that are dying. 
Oh and, my gosh. And and nobody, no Israeli wants innocent Palestinians to die. But here's the thing. Hamas is not letting people leave the north and go to the south. Israeli tanks are literally making a, a what would you call it, like a column of safety for these people to get out because Hamas is inside of the hospitals and the schools and the neighborhoods and the apartment buildings in the tunnels and not in the tunnels. And, you know, they knew this Clear, was- Hamas is the bad guys. They're the bad guys. They're the ones that we need to not have around anymore. <laughs> I mean, it, but we're talking about me. people, we're talking about people who didn't just kill young people at a music festival that was all about peace. They they severed their limbs. One of the women on the call this morning was telling me there was a reunion of the survivors and they were all in their wheelchairs because they've had arms and legs cut off. There were people who were chopped up in little pieces. I mean, the stories of the brutality are so mind numbing and so chilling. And yes, there are innocent Palestinians suffering and no no innocent civilian should ever have to lose his or her life or be denied food and water. But you know what? I was hearing this morning also, it's like 15% of the water for Gaza comes from Israel. So what they shut off was only 15%. It was only 15%. The rest, there have been projects and tell me when to shut up because I'm going to talk, I could talk about this forever, but there have been projects to bring Israel's innovation and in irrigation into into Gaza. And in fact, one of the men who was in charge of it was killed um, on October 7th. And they brought in all these pipes and Hamas took all of it and melted it down to use it for the tunnels. So I, I guess the question is, is what's the resolve? I mean, are we just going to continue to shoot at each other until everybody's dead? Or is there somebody that's going to wave a flag and say, okay, like we've got to have some type of middle ground, so to speak, or are we just going to continue to have war? Well, the reason that this attack happened when it did is because Israel and Saudi Arabia were about to sign a pact, um, uh, like for normalization of relations, which Israel's already done with Egypt and Jordan. And Hamas thought that this would be the exact right moment to prevent that from happening and put the plight of the Palestinians back onto the front page and they accomplished it. I just, I don't know. I got so many feelings and it's so delightful to speak to somebody who I feel like has given us the straight scoop, right? You know what's going I on. Would, I would like to know what F word we're going to use to describe it. So you can talk about it on your podcast, all the F words, Thank which you. is, you know, discussion of everything F uh, and so as you were talking, I'm trying to pick up on any word that started with F where we could throw that outside. Fundamentalism of the out the window. Uh-oh. There we go. There, there it is. is. We did an episode on that. It's just as bad on the on on the Jewish side, by the way. I do not in any way relate to those settlers and those the crooks that Netanyahu has in his government. I mean, there are some really bad people in there. So it's on both sides. Fundamentalism, not good. Open-minded is good. Yes. So, but you know, like the podcast. I'm sorry. The F word. Yeah, we want to talk about all the F words because we love a good F word. We we actually frequent it often. 
There's um, so many, you know, we, we did feng shui, we did filters. And it's so funny because Gabby, my co-host is your age, or I'm assuming, I don't know. She looks like she's your age, but 30 years younger than me. And, um, when, when I was talking about filters, I was talking about like filtering ourselves. Like I personally don't have any filters, I guess you've noticed. And she immediately thought of, no, no, no. It's the filters that you put on like for Instagram. And like, we're thinking about two completely different things. So, so that's the, what the podcast is about are these two different women, both writers who are a little bit nutty and, um, and she's awesome, by the way, you should meet her. She's also here in Marin. Gabby Moskowitz, and um, there's a million and one phenomenal issues that start with the letter F. We never run out. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you've got the book, you've got the podcast, you've got speaking. No, there's a different podcast that I'm doing now. We've actually put the F words on hiatus because my other podcast, which I'm really having fun with, is just me. And it's my micro essays. And who has time to listen to a whole podcast? So these are four minutes long. Oh, good. Right? Like it. Hit, um, in the in car. This story. In the car. In this story with Joanne Green. My diatribe about Israel is the current issue. I mean, the current episode. Um, but they are, I mean, they are about all kinds of things. Like I did one on school lunch. Remembering what school lunch was like. Do you remember school lunch? But I do I remember lunch. I remember bringing eight cents for milk in my sack lunch every day. And I would, we had a, we had a bowl and a drawer that had a bunch of change in it. And every morning I would pull out a nickel and three pennies and I would put it in foil. I would wrap it in foil and I would throw it into my lunch bag and I would buy my little carton of milk. So here's inflation, Stacey. It was three cents. When I was in school, <laughs> I was like at a buck fifty when I got. Oh my gosh! It was for a little milk? more. Now it's probably five bucks. Oh no! Actually, it's free. And here's a funny story. My oh. so my grand my granddaughter is in TK, and it's the lunch is free, but I don't think it's supposed to be for p- families that can afford to pay for their kids' lunch. Mm-hmm. So she was told you cannot go to the cafeteria and get lunch. Well, it was Taco Day. She's gonna go in. She's gotta go. I'm going for Taco Day. And then, but but she's so funny because she she breaks the rules and then she comes home and tells them, "I went I went to the cafeteria today. I had the tacos. (laughs) God bless her, Uh, Joanne. Tell us where everybody can find you. What is your website? Website Joanne J O A N N E hyphen Green G R E E N E dot com Joanne hyphen Green dot com. The book. Are we video or am I, what am here? We're just, we're audio. All right. Well, look right here. Um, it's called By Accident, A Memoir of Letting Go. It's an audio book. It is an e-book. So Kindle, it is uh, here in Marin. It's easily found in bookstores, but um, it's also, of course, on Audible and Barnes and Noble and all that. It's also in paperback. And my podcasts are available on all the platforms. Um, see, clearly, I don't want to make any money because all these things are just um, free and available. You know what, though? You're getting the good word out. And <laughs> I think a lot of times it's not about the immediate. It's about what comes out of things. And so I think you're a woman who has had a lot of things come out of a lot of things. And we are very honored to be able to share space with you today. Uh, I uh, We were introduced by a mutual friend, Rachel, and I, she couldn't have been more right on with uh, 
<laughs> making sure that we all knew each other. Uh, Joanne, we thank you for your time today. Your story is so incredibly inspiring. We hope that everybody else gets out there this week and is inspired. <laughs>